welcome to the next installment of the Yummy Coco Show. This is a pop culture variety show for your ear holes with sketches, music, interviews, and games. I'm your host, Yummy Coco, a.k.a. Colette Prosper. I'm a comedy writer and filmmaker. On this show, we talk about everything. Happy New Year. And today's guest is Donzel Lewis, the incomparable Donzel Lewis. Uh, He is an actor performer, teacher, um, activist, uh, among many other things. And so we have a really fun chat uh, about tropes, about what we're into, and uh, what we are looking forward to in 2023. So check it out. And if you like this show, give it five stars on Apple Plus. It's how people, Apple Plus, Apple music it's how people can find the show or apple podcasts whatever wherever you listen to your podcast spotify leave a review um you know whatever stitcher wherever you can leave a review just let them know let them know about us and and what we share on wednesdays um and i am going on hiatus so today is the finale of uh of sorts And then we're coming back in mid-February. So until then, here is my chat with Donzel. So much has happened in the past few weeks. Um, I saw a lot of TV. I saw Triangle of Sadness recently, which I definitely recommend. Dolly DeLeon, it was incredible. Um, She comes in basically in the third act you see her sort of in the second act, but in the third act, she comes in and just is, she's a queen. So uh, she is someone to look out for. I would love to talk to her. She's amazing. And I I think she should be nominated for all the awards. She was incredible. Um, so Triangle of Sadness was good. Uh, what else have I seen? I saw Singing in the Rain for the first time and that was also just a a wonderful movie. I didn't know. I had no idea what it was about. Uh, A lot of people had been talking about Babylon and one of the podcasts I was listening to mentioned how Singing in the Rain, quote unquote, did it better. And so, yeah, I guess the movie uh, is about old Hollywood and how they transitioned from, is set during the time of them transitioning from, the silent films to talkies and so it's it's one story about one star and and their experience but it it, in a larger way it has to do with old hollywood anyway check it out it's on hbo max donza lewis is my guest amazing incredible uh, check him out in the book of queer on uh, Discovery Plus. Check him out also on uh, Amazon. All the streamers. There's a movie called The Divorce Bait, and yeah. And then we talk about a lot of stuff, including Bros and 
uh, Fire Island, a bros I actually saw over the break too. In our conversation, I told him that I hadn't finished it, but I actually finally did finish it. And I actually really liked it. It's a lot of fun. Um, it picks up at the end. Um, the beginning, I just um, I just found it kind of grating and I didn't like it very much, but like I, I ended up really enjoying it. So check out bros also on Peacock. Um, and uh, here's my chat with Donzel. And we're back. Awesome. Let's uh, check in with my guest, Donzel Lewis. Hey, Donzel. Hey, Colette. How are you? Welcome to the Yummy Coco Show. This is incredible. This is amazing uh, that I get to talk to you. You're an actor. Um, I I think you're a writer. I want I want you to tell us your bio, um, but oh, also. Okay. You're you're a funny uh, comedic actor. I've seen you in Ashley Shine's short, and uh, and eventually became a, a web series. Um, hashtag mm-hmm. TMI. You're very funny. Um, you were um, a, a big um, uh, active participant in UCB. You were you were doing a lot of UCB stuff and like improv. So I want to know about you. I want to know about your year of uh, because now we've we've totally closed out. Uh, 2022. We're now in a new year. I want to know everything about you and I want to know what's in store for 2023. I mean, we don't know, but like, what are things that like projections, you know, uh, resolutions, like what are things that you want to see have happen? But like, first up, yeah, who are you? Like, uh, to to kind of paraphrase uh, Notorious B.I.G., what's your name? What's your sign? (laughs) Um, yeah. what your interests are, who you be with. Let's go. Yes. Oh my. Okay. Well, um, thank you for having me and happy new year. And also I love the name of this podcast. The thank Yummy you. Coco. Oh, <laughs> come on, give it to me. <laughs> the Yummy Coco Show. Yes. Um, it's yummy. <laughs> It's me. It's yummy, baby. <laughs> um, okay. Who am I? I'm Donzel. What's my side? I'm a Libra. Um, what I'm all about, money and men yeah. big packages. Yeah. And that can be their bank account as well as what's <laughs> their, between their legs. Um, I prefer both. Yes. <laughs> or I prefer that they have both. <laughs> yes. Um <clears throat> And uh, who I be with, I am all over the place. Uh, place. I am definitely in these streets. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, I am a performer as well as an educator, as well as an activist. So literally, I'm in these streets. <laughs> yes. I met you at a party. Uh, I met you at a holiday party. Um, yeah. You are... Best friends with Quincy Cho, who is yeah. a great uh, comedy writer in her own right and, and uh, director, producer um, extraordinaire. 
Uh, and I was uh, at this holiday party. She was talking to um, a a friend of ours from tribe, uh, Ricardo, Mm -hmm. I think Fletch was there. Um, And, uh, and so yeah, we were all chatting and I started talking to you. And I was like, Wow, what an incredible person. Mm. Do you want to be on my podcast? And you were down. (laughs) You were you were just um, just eleganza for days oh, just like you. i was like i loved your hat i loved your telfar bag um <laughs> just like casually like cross body um well, you know and just you had a, a beautiful camel coat just i was totally feeling the look and uh and then we were just talking about like things that we're watching we both watch of course rupaul's drag race so we, we we have that in common but yeah that's that's where we divide because um, what I want to talk to you about is, I, of course, like the new year, 2023, oh my goodness. But then also um, the idea of like white stuff that us black people like and how yeah. they can differ. Because like <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm into like Emily in Paris. I watch all of that. Um, I watch, uh, there's a show, a British show called Slow Horses. Like, you know, that's 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 my sort of like white stuff path. But like your white stuff path is like medieval shit. Like you watch like you really go you really go there. Yes, Uh, (laughs) I do. (laughs) Uh, You know, I feel a little bit um, out of it because I am maybe one of the few people who will not watch Emily in Paris. Wow. I know. I I don't I I this is hard to say. Well, first let me just say I guess like as with everything in life, like my taste and things that I'm attracted to change, right? Yeah. That's, that's part of being human. That's the right. fun thing that we get to, you know, like things one year, next year we're on to something else and mm-hmm. we should enjoy that. We shouldn't feel like we have to be locked into something for the rest of our life or for 3 4 5 years we're only onto this type of genre, right? Yeah. So yes, right now, currently, I am in uh, the genre of historical fiction. Um, Mm -hmm. And I have a hard time watching stuff like Emily in Paris, because I just at this day and age, I don't want to watch anything modern uh, Mm. with a um, white lead. Wow. I just I feel that. Yeah. Um. And this is no slight against, you know, um, the actress who plays Emily. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I just, if you, Emily in Paris, it's, I, I have not seen the whole, the whole series, but mm-hmm. it is, she is the title character. It is her in Paris. It yeah. is, you know what I mean? Like it is, uh, uh, you can explain more of the concept to me, but it is, uh, I'm turned off by the idea in 2022 that we're doing anything modern um, and I'm supposed to watch this modern show mm-hmm. and it's being driven by a white person. I no, just think that facts, we have talked about yeah. diversity enough. We have done the work for diversity enough, and mm-hmm. there is enough work out there for my fellow white artists. Even if you are not the title character, and even if the show is not about you, there mm-hmm. is enough work out there for you. And I was on Instagram uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I, again, I don't watch the show, but what <laughs> I do know of the show 
uh-huh. is everyone loves, if I'm not mistaken, is is Jeremy O'Harris in the show? Yes. He has everyone a bit, he has a bit part. Uh-huh. He has a bit part. Now what I know the reason why I know he's in the show is uh-huh. because he's the black, extravagant, fashionable one. Yes. I know nothing about his character, but I know from social media that everyone loves to fetishize his fashion and his extravagance. Yes, which he definitely. Is, yeah, it's a moment. Uh huh. Yeah, and which if that's all, if that's what's leading the social commentary, that right there is problematic because Jeremy O'Harris is brilliant, mm-hmm. brilliant, and the work that he has done in this like entertainment industry so early on mm-hmm. most of those people who are retweeting and reposting you know those clips of his extravagance don't even understand the the reality of the gravitas of who he is right yeah slave play euphoria play, play. Mm-hmm. can we talk about it? Yeah. you know what i mean like yeah zola you know, like, exactly mm-hmm. exactly but that's what i'm seeing is perpetuated about the show the other thing is so uh, like a magical ne- negro trope magical negro trope exactly when it's like go spend see, go watch slave play which i did watch and mm. was all the pearls were clutched yes because of how brilliant that show is and the other thing is like there's the hot black guy who again i don't know but <laughs> Uh, there yes. come, you know, here comes this other clip that's like, are you all excited about Emily in Paris season two? We are. Maybe we're not really excited about Emily. And then they show, you know, the picture of the black guy, you know, making so out. So now Mendingo. Now the Mendingo exactly. trope. <laughs> and I'm like, so y'all aren't even giving me a reason from advertising and from social commentary to want to watch the show. So what I'm already thinking is, is this is a mediocre white girl who gets yeah, dropped off into basically. some type of <laughs> yes. place in Paris <laughs> where you can't, that that would only happen to a mediocre white person to, yes. to get the position that she has to be underqualified and everyone be like, there's something special about her. Let's see what it is. And yeah, I feel like you're like Neo right from- now. You're like Neo in the Matrix. You see all the code. But, but that's only because how often have we seen this formula? Yeah. And yeah. in life and also in art, the person of color, specifically mm-hmm. a woman of color, we are not, and I'm not a woman of color, so I shouldn't say we. Mm-hmm. But honey, I do drag, so I'm some nice summer girl. <laughs> But people of color, we don't, in art and in life, we don't get the privilege to be casually dropped off somewhere in a high uh, visible position and be considered underqualified and given chance after chance. And Mm -hmm. what it ends up being is we still in today's day and age have to be the savior in order to be the one in that position, right? We have to do everything. We have to be excellent at everything. We have to be over, over qualified in everything. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's the reality in life. And, and still get half stories. Mm-hmm. And, and still get exactly. half the, repu- the, the representation, half the, the exactly. visibility. 
Exactly. Yeah. And 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 I don't know, maybe the lead actress of Emily in Paris, like again, I'm not attacking her, because girl, get your check, honey. We all gotta get paid. <laughs> I ain't mad at you for working, girl. I'm just not watching the show. But yeah. I don't know if the lead actress in Emily in Paris, I genuinely don't know if she is as accolade uh uh um if she has as many accolades and has done as much groundbreaking work as Jeremy O'Harris, but right. yet most of America who watches that show, if you even say Jeremy O'Harris, they won't even know who he is. Mm-hmm. Now, if you show him a clip of him and his extravagance of those bit parts from Emily in Paris, that's what you know him from. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm suddenly thinking about uh, the movie mannequin with, um, mm-hmm. Meshach Taylor, he played, uh, now I can't remember his name in the, it was like an, like an epic kind of in that, in that vein of like, uh, Jeremy O'Harris's character. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I totally feel it. I guess, um, I, for me, my white bridge, I, and I want to know like what your, your, your white bridge too far is like what, like for me, it's Taylor Swift. Like that's where I stop. That's where it's like uh-huh. record scratch. Turn it yeah. off. Like, no, thank you. No, merci. Okay, that, that's, that's fair. I think my, excuse me. I think that is my too far is like the, uh, it, it's about the concept and it's about the story that we're perpetuating because yes. I do believe through my work as an artist, through my work as an educator and through my work as an activist, the, the most, some of the most powerful change that happens that when it's not direct and on, you know, through protesting and mm-hmm. and making change through laws, some of the greatest change that does happen is through the influence of the arts. True, very true. And so, and that goes both ways, right? That mm-hmm. goes with the perpetuating um, strongholds of, of supremacy as well as dismantling them. And so mm-hmm. for me, if it's a show that is still stuck in these old, ideals of perpetuating supremacy in that way whiteness Mm -hmm. in that way i can't support it right yeah now taylor swift i um i can i can vibe with because (laughs) at the end of the day she is like doing her art and putting out a message and she is, is is she has she speaks up and and she's pushed for change and Mm. she has not tried to be anything other than what her heart has led her to be and yes the system the way it's set up may have helped her make it far but so far from what I've seen it's like okay she's just not for me but I can't knock her talent and her brilliance and her existence as an artist is her existence as an artist she's not you know a network and a studio and writers perpetuating this the the problems right she yeah is, negative stereotypes she actually yeah exactly mm-hmm. she she actually is, is I think sometimes works against the the problems right she spoke out about artists not being paid well and 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 the problems with streaming services she's spoken up for women and she's spoken up for the right for women to to own themselves and be liber sexually liberated and and mm-hmm. and and date around and not feel like they have to instantly be, you know, someone's woman or, or someone's arm candy or, or someone's wife. Right. And, and even with her new song and every now and then she has some songs that I like, <clears throat> like, I love, I did something 
that. I think that's the name. Like, I've never listened to a whole album, but every now and then uh-huh. I'm like, I think oh, on Reputation. Uh-huh. Yeah, like I did something bad. I'm like, that's right. You better leave him <laughs> before he leaves. That's right. He is a narcissist and he is up here top five. So don't get played. You play him. Like, I bored that, right? I yeah, I did listen to that song uh, that the Taylor's version. It was like a remake of her her already uh, hit song. That it's yeah. it's all about Jake Gyllenhaal. Like I, I listened to that. I watched yeah. the video. Um, as we know, or all we know, or whatever. Um, yeah. I you know I because she is part of the um, the culture. So it's just like you have to be yeah. aware of her because she's part of culture. But like at the same time, I'm yeah. like totally aware that like I'm like, wow, this is this is, this is too much for me. I can't deal with it. But Emily in Paris, yeah. the, the stuff that you are um the 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 topics that you're ra- that you are raising right now like with uh you know the mandingo trope the magical negro trope the just the mediocre white girl being the center of attention being like the perfect um specimen of femininity like that like that totally um I, 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 it's like I'm so aware of it, but then I'm like, oh, Paris, yeah. oh, pretty colors, oh, I love her clothes, oh my God. Um, and then it, and then I get lost in it, and it, it's like a shiny, pretty thing that I'm distracted by. But like, it's funny that you, you mention all this because like I was watching Single All the Way, um, which is a, oh, a Christmas I movie. Oh, I refuse to watch that too. Yes. <laughs> because like, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, and I, I love the actor from Ugly Betty. Super cute. Yes, love His, him. He has a roommate. Like, I, I was watching it. And then um, there Jennifer Coolidge makes an appearance, too. And she says, uh, mm-hmm. there's a quote where she talks about um, gay, like, I love the gays. And they're obsessed with me. And, and that's yes. been trending recently. And I totally thought that was from White Lotus. But then when I saw the scene, I was like, oh, shit, that's from Single All the Way. But yes. the character that he i guess eventually falls in love with is um his best friend roommate black man who is a a writer and leaves his comfortable home to go home with the ugly betty actor um in like uh bf new hampshire and he becomes like uh, a handyman in the house. He beca- he's like mammy, like reading reading his children's book to the kids. Like is, there were things about it that I was just like, oh, this is cute, but it kind of bothers me. And, and yeah, and 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 that's what I heard people's commentary about that. Right? Yeah. Now the reason why I didn't watch Single All the Way was because at the time. <laughs> This had nothing to do with like tropes. The time that I, it came out, I was like still recovering from being dumped. So I was like, mm-hmm. I want to see gay man find love. <laughs> I haven't even found it yet. <laughs> so, so I was like all about, you know, burn all this shit down. I yeah. don't want to see Valentine's Day. I don't want to see Christmas, holiday. Like, I didn't want to see anything mm-hmm. that had to do with love, right? And then after I, you know, came out of that, you know, period of mourning, uh, <laughs> after I came out of that, and then you started hearing people's commentary, and that's what people's commentary was on it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, good. I don't need to watch that. And the crazy thing is, all you had to do was, one, either just don't write that story, which I understand mm-hmm. it's hard because I think what a lot of people aren't in the industry, you know, 
don't understand is that at the end of the day, we are artists and we have to live a life and we have to make a living. Mm-hmm. And, and we're not in a society that has set us up to make a living um, in, in, a, in, in, in many different ways, right? Like it's, we are beholden to these stakeholders, to these executives, mm-hmm. to these advertising dollars, or you're starving artist, right? Right. Like it, it, it's 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 here to there, and that's it, it's that's how vastly you know the disparity is for all of us to just make a living doing what we are passionate about, as mm-hmm. well as what really services society. Right? Like our gifts as an artist do not just service us; it services society more. Right? Like we are providing a service, yes. but we have to fight to be able to put food on our table and pay our bills. And sometimes and sell out a little bit like Jeremy O'Hara. Sometimes sell out because like you need that check. You just mm-hmm. really do. And so I can understand that like studio executives having a, that influence and that voice saying, well, no, we want this story. We want that and this and that. And it's not always just about what the writer wants or what, you know, the director wants. There's so many voices at the table. Mm-hmm. I understand that. It's just, I think the only way that that will change is if society starts holding those stakeholders accountable because those stakeholders are beholden to society's dollars. So Mm -hmm. if more than artists start speaking out saying, we don't want to see these tropes perpetuated anymore. If we start, if we, meaning Mm non-artists, if you all, can start to speak up and see these tropes and say, can't we do better? I think that's when we'll start to see and hear the change. Because right now, why should they change if people are still going to sit down and drink that Kool-Aid and, 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 you know, and watch these tropes and feel like they're watching great art? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know? And, 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 but I think what can happen is if you got to tell that story, then switch the roles. Put a person in color in the role of that, you know, messed up, messy, you know, going through it type, you know what I mean? Like, and, and make the, the white guy become the handyman and the manny and, you know what I mean? Like, just switch yeah. it. Right. Have you started watching Kindred? Have I started watching Kindred? Yeah, on FX. No, 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 no. I haven't even heard about it. Okay, so Kindred is Octavia Butler novel um, from like the late 70s that has now been adapted into a TV show. Yeah. And that that has a a black female lead, natural hair, which I I love. And the the premise of the story is that it's a woman in modern day world who keeps getting like sucked into um slavery era maryland so she's a woman in la that like she'll just like wake up all of a sudden she's transported to it was like 1813 or something let's say like it's some something like that so she wakes up she's in 1813 and then she becomes a a part of that world it's almost like uh outlander in a in a weird (laughs) way where you know she wakes up in this world but unlike outlander she can wake up and go back um she so she, she's she goes back and forth Ugh. anyway 
Um, in the book, she's married to this white man, like kind of Steve Martin type with like white hair. And mm -hmm. he's um, he's very like uh, he's he loves his wife. He's very supportive. He eventually travels back with her because she she figures out a way that like if she has a, a duffel bag tied to her with things that she needs and then if he holds her she she can trans be transported back with him so that that happens in the series um but except that the instead of her being married to the guy it's a guy that she just like casually started dating and like and, yeah. and sleeping with and then eventually he becomes part of that world and he's like a modern white guy who's like kind of like aware of his um aware of some history feels a little guilty maybe and and then he's transported to this world where like people are calling it master so it's it's uh but but in a way he is in service like he he works in service of of her um, so it's a really interesting dynamic and I, I, I recommend it. It's it's not like um, I, I've only watched half of the first episode. I, I still I just started it last night. But like it yeah. is it is interesting to see and it's cool to see. It's a black showrunner um, and it's um, and a black lead. And it's uh, something that is um, that is sort of, you know, turning the tables on on tropes that we we typically see where it's like the black friend that is yeah. working in service of that lead white character. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, I think that's what we need to do. Right. And mm -hmm. we need to do more of that. And for those Emily in Paris lovers, like, look, do you? There's so much out there. I am not that person who is also like, you know, going to tell you, you what you should and should not watch. Right. These yeah. are just the reasons. I'm watching this. But I do think that when we're talking about modern, you know, the modern conversation of art, we need to lean into our modernity and lean mm -hmm. into the fact that society is a lot more diverse and also a lot more um, willing and, 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 and seeking diverse content. Like mm -hmm. we all are. Yeah. And I love the housewives. So if I want to see, you know, wealthy white women being messy, let me just turn on Beverly Hills Housewives. Like, I don't even yeah. turn on Emily in Paris. Like, let 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 me let the writers and the actors who are creating, you know, newer concepts or original ideas or taking, you know, tropes and twisting them on their head. Let's give them the, play, the playground to do that and be those artists. And when we need just like feel good zone out tv let mm -hmm. us watch the reality tv let us watch the housewives let us watch rupaul's drag race like mm -hmm. though that's now that's also why i don't want to watch them like emily in paris is because for me as a, a, a viewer i do want to watch scripted content that somehow makes me think mm -hmm. if it is content that does not make me think and just makes me feel good or, you know, laugh at the, the situations and different things like that, then I want to watch reality TV. Right. Well, Emily in Paris, as a writer, I, I appreciate the structure. It is well-structured, the show. Um, and mm. so there, there, there are elements that, that I'm, I'm drawn to, but, but, um, 
I totally feel you on that. It is, um, it's not severance, you know, it's not, uh, yeah. whatever, yeah. uh, the bear, like, it's not gonna like really blow my mind, but it is, um, you know, it's colorful and pretty to look at, but like, you know, yes. it's kind of, um, <laughs> looking back at, at, at 2022, there was, yeah. um, and I don't know how you feel about this, but like there was because like, OK, so like bros, they were like and, and you know, watching single all the way. I'm like, oh, yeah. this is totally a romantic comedy um, because like and I love Billy Eichner, um, but Billy yeah. Eichner was like, oh, this is the first rom com film for uh, with gay men. And, and it so this was like um it, it was it was a major a major budgeted motion picture out in theaters it was it, you know it was a huge achievement but like fire yeah. island had come out um just yeah. before then and then even before that you know you had single all the way fire island i loved i thought it was hilarious i love joel yeah. kim booster hilarious and did bowen not yang. like oh, and bowen bro. yang did not like there was a black character one of their best friends he had maybe five lines and mm -hmm. no no love life and he was just there in the background and the the movie talked so much about diversity and 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 inclusivity but like that black character had no inner life i didn't know anything mm -hmm. about that that friend character so i don't know if that was something that you picked up on because i was some, i'm like i love this movie but like that's kind of jacked so, yeah, and, and see, and this is my, also one of the things that I think about as an educator, right? Mm -hmm. Like, as an educator, you I can't get to everything at once, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I have to scaffold, scaffold in the principles and the lessons that I'm trying to teach the students, and I service a wide population, and I can't get to every student Mm -hmm. every class and every lesson right and i think that's one of the things we have to think about in return in regards to art and diversity as well is mm -hmm. that every movie can't answer every problem yeah, and true. the fact that this fire island was more about the diversity was seen in um the asian characters mm -hmm. that itself was groundbreaking and enough for sure for me, right yes. like Sure, as a gay black man, I mean, I want to see us working a lot. Like my personal opinions are give us more work. Yeah. But when I step outside of that and I look at the larger sphere of that and I see what was accomplished for that population, for my brethren, mm -hmm. that makes me very happy and satisfied and full. And because it they also need to tell their stories and be leading characters and have, you know, uh, and, and, and let their love stories be uh, put upon the screen and, and be in the forefront and not always in the background. Because oftentimes those characters, if they are in the films, they are also, you know, washed over. And so True. I yes. love that. And so I don't have a, I don't have an issue with that because you just, you can't, one movie won't solve all problems, but what you can't Fire make everybody Island happy. 
you can't. And what Fire Island did was it was groundbreaking in so many different ways. And it was very groundbreaking for queer, LGBTQIA, Asian Americans, or well, not Asian Americans, just Asians uh, in general, right? Like yeah. that was, I, hats off, round of applause, standing ovation to them to be able to lead that, right? And mm-hmm. to think of the uh, younger kids who are going to be watching that movie coming up, having heroes, right? Mm-hmm. Being yeah, able and- to see them, mm-hmm. their face reflected back to them. That, to me, I, I was very happy with. Right. Now, bros on the other hand. <laughs> I love, I love Billy Eichner. Um, you know, I, I love Difficult look, People. It's one of my all-time favorite shows, and I, look, I couldn't I, really finish Bros. I ended up having a love-hate relationship with Bros, and yeah. I see what Bros did, and I appreciate Bros for what it did, and I have uh, value and respect for what Bros did. Mm-hmm. I think in general um my challenges were with uh them being disappointed that the box office didn't do well Mm -hmm. and i was like um honey we just came out of the pandemic where mostly everything you know all these big releases were released on streaming Mm -hmm. and i don't care who you are to get me to go to the theater is you got to work now to get me to go into the theater. Yeah, Woman I'm King, like, Black Panther, exactly. Top I Gun. Big like that. Yeah, right. I don't want to see, I don't want to get dressed up and get out of my house and pay, you know, all this money for the the the, the concessions and pay this expensive money for the mm-hmm. tickets and all of that to see a rom-com. Yeah. Right, true. But now I will now to be surrounded in the massiveness of that screen for a fantasy movie. Yes, I want to see that. And I think that's what a lot of people are feeling like, right? And so mm-hmm. like for them to be like, well, you know, just people didn't come out and support, you know, this gay movie. And da, 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 da. I was like, honey, I don't think it's that deep. Yeah. And it's taking away from, mm-hmm. and it's taking you know, away from the, the fact that, yeah, this is a major motion picture yeah. That is and it's like when I watched that movie, yeah, at the end of it, I was like, I could have watched this on my couch drinking a glass of wine, right? Yeah, it's on Peacock, that's I, how I, I saw, it. saw yeah, it. Yeah, it wasn't, you know what I mean? But like, you're right, like Woman King, Top Gun, uh, Wakanda Forever, like those are the films that I'm like now wanting to have this movie experience with, and I think that that's just the reality, right? I think, and also at the same time, I mean, no disrespect when I say this, but also. You know, if it's not the the, the the expansiveness of the movie drives me to the theater, it's got to be the actor. And none of mm-hmm. those actors would make me as well want to go to the theater to see them on the big screen. Yeah. Now, yeah, if I, Matthew McConaughey, mm-hmm. king of rom-coms, would have come back <laughs> with this massive rom-com, I think we all would show up to go see Mr. All Right, All Right, All Right. Yeah, you know, yeah. Back in at a rom-com, you know, with his shirt off, like the gratuitousness of that. Like, you know what I mean? But this is, Matthew McConaughey has a stronghold of nostalgia over us for that era of rom-coms, right? So mm-hmm. if I'm going to go see a rom-com and I hear he's like making his big return, I'm pretty sure that would be a different experience because of the nostalgia of that. 
Well, yeah, because we all miss the stars. We miss you know George Clooney's and the Julia Roberts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not just going to the theater anymore. And that's not even, and I went to go see bros because I will be honest, I I felt obligated as a gay man. I was like, well, I gotta go out and support this. If I don't go out and support this, they're not going to make more gay movies. Like we gotta go. You know what I mean? Like, right. But that could have been released on streaming. It it just could have. And, uh, and, you know, I think that's just an understanding of um, being able to understand like what, did society ask for that? No. You know what I mean? Like, did we ask for <laughs> any rom-com to be in the big screen and to feel obligated to go support a rom-com? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we didn't ask for that. We did ask for Wakanda forever. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that also, uh, I do want to wrap back around and, and, you know, and talk about, you know, the, what I am currently watching. I think that's also why I am enjoying Nightfall, or I just finished it, but like historical fiction. One, because mm-hmm. I have always loved history because um, I am someone who really does believe that we are all products of our past and we all mm-hmm. have ancestors and we all are products of our ancestors, right? And to know where we, to understand where we are means we have to understand our past and to be empowered about where we're going, we also have to learn from our past. Mm-hmm. And so Very a true. lot of historical fiction for me, be it in books and in movies, I, I crave that genre. And I love hearing the stories of, um, of, of the, of you know, these, these civilizations and how they came about. So I went on this kind of like, um, binge spree and I watched, um, the last kingdom. And then I watched, uh, barbarians and then I watched nightfall. And it was just mm-hmm. so fascinating because the history is so rich there in regards to how, um, England was formed, right? And mm-hmm. how the barbarians overthrew the Romans and and how the Catholic Church, you know, had the Knights Templar and 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 the Crusades and the, the religious wars there. And I was like, wow, these are, are things that affect our everyday life now. But also at the same time, I'm like, whoa, I didn't know the shadiness, the history of mm, the shady mm. whiteness went this far back. Yeah, and it's still, you know, coursing in their veins. It's still coursing in their veins. Imperialists, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, like, and you hear about, like, Meghan Markle and, and, and what happened with the, you know, the institution and how she's basically, her and, and Prince Henry or Harry, I don't, I don't really yeah. follow the royals. So <laughs> ah, Harry. Even, yes. I, when people <laughs> start, you know, First of all, I was like, look, I don't follow any of them that much to really care. So I'm mm-hmm. just glad she found a man who loves her because, honey, we all trying to do that, Prince or not. Uh, and then secondly. <laughs> and he's when- a, you know, he, I, I, I would uh, imagine he, he fits that, you know, big package kind yes. of um, idea, <laughs> I one think. Of yeah. That's for sure. uh, <laughs> but, you know, and then the other thing was like when, uh, when also and 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 Americans being upset when you know she you know when him him and her left and I was like y'all don't care about the royals y'all just want something to fuss about like 
Don't nobody yeah. give a damn. There I don't go. care. And like, I'm sorry. I don't mean it's again, it's disrespect, but I did not care when the queen had a birthday. Yes. I, I don't care. But if I you were, if you grew up in London, birthday. you'd be forced to you know, somehow honor it. Yeah, and I, I felt sad when she passed away because, like, she was an icon, and and mm -hmm. you know, and it's just like, but she also was a problematic icon, but also like she had this institution, and you're watching like the Last Kingdom, and you're watching the struggles of what it means to like mm -hmm. to to run a to be a, a singular person running a country, right? And, and they'll I'm do like, whatever it takes to keep it going. To keep it they're going. not letting it's it going like, oh, they're not letting it go what about that right mm -hmm. like i never I, i've never had that opportunity to run a country <laughs> and and not yet and at the not yet right and at the time of forming these countries and running it it's not even like they had examples before them right like mm -hmm. they're the ones who are like uh we got this land uh we need someone to lead us uh what do we do you know what i mean <laughs> but then if... we can look at mm -hmm. and we have years upon years of how to run government and countries and what was a good idea what was a bad idea but the truth is, is back then they were just learning as they were going it was trial and error right but like there's still no sharing though but there is still no sharing and the shadiness of what they did. And I was like, oh, so this, you know, like this is the, the institution that she's fighting against mm -hmm. goes back to the founding of the whole country. Yeah. So I guess you didn't re uh, watch The Crown. This season was kind of boring. No, I didn't watch but uh, the whole thing in The Crown is that Charles, and I guess this, this speaks to the real Charles, is that, you know, they really, he wants to modernize the monarchy, the, the, the royal, mm -hmm. the monarchy in, in England. And mm -hmm. which is kind of bullshit because he's not really like a modernist kind of guy. Like he thinks he is, mm -hmm. but he's not. Um, and the idea of just as what you're saying, um, the system itself is arcane. It's um, it's not inclusive. There's mm -hmm. it's it's like you can't you can't have a system that's so rigid like this and think that it can be become modern. Like it it, mm -hmm. it either has to stay the same or it, it's like the police system or something. Like it either yeah, has well, to stay well, the same or yes. or be, or be abolished. You know. Yes, I agree, and like that's the and the truth is that it, with all of us who are 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 fighting for change, I think at the at our core, we all understand that the truth is is that be it in England or be it here in America, I only speak on America, you know, American politics because this mm -hmm. is where I grew up. This is what I know. Like again, for all of us Americans who are trying to think you have any type of authority over what happened with Meghan and Prince Harry, like literally sit down and have several seats and shut up like you but we you can have sympathy for megan because you can have sympathy yeah. it's been it's been but hard like, i'm talking about the ones who are criticizing like uh, i mm -hmm. had to so many of my white friends be like well i don't understand like why she had to like first of all like you just want you don't even understand you just trying to you you how problematic you sound by like arguing about their their marriage and what they decided to do what was best for their family yeah as if you Understand the intric intricacies of their country's pro that country's problems. Yeah, 
you barely understand the intricacies of American problems, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm so I'm I'm not trying to speak on other countries and what they're doing right or wrong because like <clears throat> who who am, how do I know? Mm-hmm. But what I do know is that with our country and the systemic issues that we face, I think all of us understand that if we really want to change it, it has to be radically torn down and yeah. rebuilt. Because you you can't change the system by just putting a Band-Aid in different areas or mm-hmm. stitching up different areas and, and thinking that's going to cure it. We already know at this point, this far along in civilization, this far along in our, you know, functioning of a country, mm-hmm. obviously what we've been doing is not the answer. Yeah. For sure. If we really want to get to the answer, we got to just do the hard work of radically redesigning it. But we also understand that there ain't no way in hell that's going to happen. Um, yeah, no, it's not because that, there's so never. many. Yeah, it's no one's going to mess up their bag. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and so I think we all know that we're stuck in between this rock and a hard place of being like, you give a little, you lose a little. You get a gain a little, you lose a little. You gain a little, you lose a little. And you know, and who knows? There, there have been. I do think that it is very evident that there are lots of change that has happened in a short amount of time, and there is a lot more change that's on its way. And unfortunately, that change usually happens from massive outcry and recognition of pain, be it you know the civil rights marches and 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 people, white people seeing what was happening, and mm-hmm. to Black people in the streets protesting and realizing, like, oh shit, like our uh, cousins over there are doing some fucked up shit. We gotta step in and and be like, yo, homie, why why are you treating them like this? Right? Like, same with you know George Floyd, and and I I do think that that movement was successful because everyone was at home in the pandemic, so you couldn't be distracted. They're so forced. you have to yeah. take a choice. Like, whoa, we are still doing some fucked up shit. I Mm got to speak out against my brother in here and be like, yo, cousin, why are you doing that? Or I got to be silent. You know what I mean? Like we we had to we had to make a choice. Are you you like, you know, ask your uh, coworker what book you should read or something? Exactly. <laughs> like, so I saw this. Uh, I see that there's some problems here. Uh, yeah. Any books you think you that? Yeah, I read? it's like I don't know. I don't know what you should read. Um, but talk about your activism. I'm curious about your yeah. your. So what, like, what 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 do so, you do? Oh my gosh, what do I do? What do I not do? Uh, you know, uh, my activism started in, um, I'm from Richmond, Virginia, so I don't mm-hmm. know if you come from Richmond, Virginia and not have some sort of like sense of social justice because, <clears throat> Ooh, that's, you know. You know, it's the deep south, very traditional. Ooh, woo! It was the last, uh, that, that Richmond held the last White House of the Confederacy. You know, there yes. were three White Houses of the Confederacy and, and Richmond held the last one. And, and we're That's not deep history. south because we border that Mason-Dixon line, but, you know, we are connected to the Deep South. And, uh, and there's a lot of beautifulness in Richmond and a lot of beautiful, you know, I have a lot of beautiful stories growing up there. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't have any, you know, challenges with that city, but I just do know that, um, 
I think most of us coming from any type of Southern city, we are still dealing with a lot of Southern values and a lot of old values that are a fabric of the city that, you know, mm-hmm. it takes the youth and specifically the marginalized to start to say, hey, you know, this is problematic. We shouldn't have statues of Confederate leaders on our mm-hmm. streets. Like, <clears throat> not in this day and age. Like, we understand the Reconstruction era. Y'all were trying to, you know, play nice and be like, hey, the Civil War is over. Here's a statue. Feel better. You know, but mm, let it go. Move the statue. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, ain't, uh, it's not cute anymore. It ain't cute anymore. Um, but uh, my, my activism work came through political theater because I've always been an artist and always been an actor since I was a kid. And then when I went to college, I went to college at, at Virginia Commonwealth University, mm-hmm. and I was a part of a group called The Conciliation Project, which was all about creating plays that created a dialogue at the end of the play to talk about the challenges and um problems of systemic racism and solutions that we in that room could share with each other from being inspired from the play. And Mm -hmm. so they were original political theater pieces that um, really changed how I saw art and how I saw theater could be used beyond just because I grew up as a musical theater kid. And, you know, I, I just thought that theater had to be you were a triple threat and you made people happy and you send them on to go get coffee and uh, cake at the end of the night, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I realized that theater could also be actively used to connect people in a way to target challenges and issues, um, which hence political theater. Um, And so that was my first introduction with political theater and that became my core activism work that really got me connected because our group also connected with other social justice groups in the city and we would partner with them and we would even, you know, uh, if we weren't doing a play, they would bring us in to help us do their talk back because as artists, we were, you know, more empathetic to be able to lead a talk back and facilitate a talk back with Mm -hmm. people on these hot topic issues. Um, And then when I came to L.A., after doing years of anti-racism work through political theater, I was kind of burned out because, you know, being Black in America, you, you just, oh, yeah. you're an activist by just being alive every day, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. some of us and, take and the... Just, I'm sorry, just like you're saying, like, you know, mm-hmm. you, um, you, you were creating work um, to make people think, but it's like you're thinking exactly. too, so it's, it's exhausting. Exactly. Exactly. It's exhausting. And I got very burned out and I was like, I don't really want to do this work anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was when I had a mentor who, you know, reminded me, she reminded me, she said, you know, everyone's not always on the front lines. And, and you have to remember that that's what this fight is. So at one stage of the fight, you might be in the front lines. At one stage of the fight, you might be in the planning boardroom. At the other stage of the fight, you might just be financing, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's when I did take a step back and started to just really monetarily donate <clears throat> to groups and activist organizations that I felt were doing the work. Mm-hmm. When I did that, I shifted my activism to the other side of me, which is I am a gay Black man. So I'm not just, you know, a black man. I'm a cisgendered gay black man. Mm -hmm. And now my activism work is with the Human Rights Campaign, Mm 
and I work with them. I'm the co-chair of the steering committee for Los Angeles Political Action and Community Engagement. Mm-hmm. And with the HRC, our you know whole goal is equality, fighting for equality for LGBTQIA plus Americans. Mm-hmm. And we have an education branch and we also have a political branch. And, you know, we are doing a lot of work to lobby and petition to get better laws passed. Um, the Equality Act is a big act that we have sponsored and mm-hmm. it will one day clear, which is going to allow for greater laws and protections for LGBTQIA individuals across the country. Um, you know, we were a large influence in getting the Respect for Marriage Act passed. Uh, and HRC is a big national organization. It's all, I'm a volunteer as mm-hmm. the steering committee in LA. Mm-hmm. And it, <clears throat> what I do, <clears throat> excuse me, and what I do in this sector of activism in my life is it's great to be a leader now helping to inspire volunteers to come in and do the work. And political action, that section of it is, I work with the national partners in HRC DC and uh, elected officials who, or officials who they would like to get elected, we they partner, we partner with them and who they endorse. And in Los Angeles, I will organize phone banks, text banks, on the ground canvassing mm-hmm. um, to support these political candidates. And then the community engagement section of it is I partner with different organizations in Los Angeles to, one, support uh, queer advocacy organizations. So I do a lot of work with HRC and um, partnering with different trans advocacy organizations and supporting them how we can. Um, also, we do MLK Day of Service, where I, like this year, we are partnering with the Covenant House, which um, oh, yeah. services a lot of LGBTQIA homeless youth. And mm-hmm. what we're going to do is be there for that day and we'll be volunteering for them, making sandwiches, doing beautification projects. Uh, we'll do, we'll give them a grant to help their, uh, their, their budget and different things like that. I'll organize volunteers to show up for that. Um, and other events like pride festivals, I'll be out with HRC and, you know, just be a representative for, you know, adult individuals, but also there are many youth who come to these pride festivals, right? And knowing that they have an organization like HRC and that will give them resources and information. And I remember when I was a young queer kid, you didn't know where to go. You didn't know how to find your community, right? And yeah. so community engagement is all about building building the connections within our own community and also building bridges with other advocacy organizations who fight for equality and may or may not be queer focused, but they do also understand the true fight for equality means that all of us have to be free, right? Even yes. if you are uh, a cisgendered heterosexual man or woman, if you are a true advocate for equality, you also understand that you have to fight for me, just like I have to fight for you. Because Yeah, especially you know, now with uh, <laughs> so much uh, anti-trans, anti-Semitic, yeah, um, exactly. uh, anti uh, exactly. anti-racist, I, I mean, right, well, yeah, racist rhetoric, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's all feeding into... Um, 
there's you know i was talking uh, i had another guest um the his episodes uh is came out the week before before ours um mm -hmm. and and we were talking very lightly about like fascism but it's it's to we have to include everyone we're all part of the same world and if we yes. start to differentiate and say like um i mean of course we're we're talking about white stuff that us black people like i mean there is a sort of like division in there but like um i i but i i just mean that like you know we have to love and support each other and, yeah. and our, our differences because that's what makes us uh, stronger as a as a people. I know that people are aware of this that are listening, but it's um, it's very insidious um, the things that are happening in our world. Like if you look at Twitter and how um, he's really trying to alienate people, that's yes. very scary. Um, there's a yeah. lot of things that are happening where it's it's meant to alienate us and and to separate us, and, and our, uh, yes, I was gonna say our lives are are, are vastly intersectional now, mm -hmm. um, and which is a problem a, for people like that. Yes, and you know, and I mean that in so many different ways. Personally, my life is intersectional. You know, as a gay black man, that is intersectionality. Yeah, mm -hmm. I can't, I don't have the privilege of picking which side of me I fight for, right? Mm -hmm. Like my overall survival in this country relies upon me honoring my intersectionality. <clears throat> uh, and, and my intersectionality goes deeper than even just being gay and black, right? Like mm -hmm. then we can look at disability, we can look at economics, we can look at so many different things. Mm -hmm. And the time of, you know, um, being singularly focused is gone. Most of us now <clears throat> have a connection of intersectionality in some way. And also my community is intersectional. My, the, mm -hmm. the people that I love are not just gay or queer. The people that I love are not just black. You know, my, my friendship circle and also my family circle is also just as intersectional as I am. It is full of many different colors, many different uh, religions even, and many different sexualities and many different, you know, um, gender acceptances. And, mm -hmm. and so now that I am aware of that and aware that the people around me are also of reflection of intersectionality how could i not fight for that equality right and i yeah. think that's where a lot of us are getting hurt is where we have sides of our communities or families who are refusing to see that intersectionality and seeing that like us re refusing or or resisting equality is hurting people that we love mm -hmm. directly people that we love yeah. The, and and ourselves thing. too because it's to say that they're not you know the powers that be the man's not going to turn on us so yeah you yeah. know yeah. yeah strength in numbers exactly and i do also think that you know art is is something that is supposed to touch all of us in various different ways and uh you know like that's why i love watching historical fiction shows like that's what that's the type of art that i love that really draws me i i love learning like i love pausing night flaw or the last kingdom mm -hmm. and and googling right and being like 
which part of this is true? That's what I love about historical fiction because it's not all true. Some of it is is inspired by. So then I'm getting to learn a lot more and be like all these lessons that I missed in class because that's mm-hmm. the reality of school, right? We, you know, school, we zone out, we daydream, we take a nap, we right. don't connect teacher and so yeah we, we might not course. realize that like this is gonna come up later in our life exactly. or like, yeah this is something that and i should be listening to exactly uh-huh. um and so that has been that's why i love watching that right so i love why even though it's not a show about blackness or about queerness i'm still learning about the foundations of the world right, right. And, of and you're connecting and, and yeah, and sorry, you're you're connecting yeah. to something. There there are different parts of your life that that you connect to in in these different stories, however different that that topic is. If it's, you know, medieval knights or if it's, you know, barbarians rising um on Amazon, it's you know, you're you're connecting to different things about the the story that like is is sucking you in and that that's exactly. uh, attracting you. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, that this has been such a great conversation. Uh, I I, I want yeah. To- but I can I ask you what yeah. you want to have happen in in twenty twenty three? Do you, have you start? Do you write resolutions? Do you have you know. um, sort of like a game plan? Like for yeah. me, my word of the year, I'm thinking. Um, I haven't settled on it yet, but is the idea of believe. Uh, there is a, a really great um, there's a it's a it's a fun uh, reality game show with uh, Dan Levy on HBO. It's like the big brunch. Um, shout out yes. to Nadege Fleurimond, who is on the show. And uh, she she was one of the, the competitors um, or contestants or whatever. Anyway, there's a moment where and it's it's gone viral where there is this um, contestant. I don't know the name, but says a sort of like self-deprecating joke. And then um, Dan Levy, um, you know, says, I, you know, just don't don't lead with that. Um you know, you have to have confidence basically when you're when you're meeting with people, and uh, and so that relates to me because I I definitely mm. lead with self deprecating jokes. Um, that's something yeah. that I need to work mm. on because um, it's a control issue. It, it does have to do with my personal history, my personal like family history, where it's just like it's mm-hmm. kind of like a control thing where it's like if I point out my flaws first, then the other, you know, then I, I I've gotten it out of the way. I I don't know. I'm still working yeah. that out. But but anyway, my word is believe yeah. because I want to believe in my my skills, my my talent, my voice, and uh, and I want to um, I want to see my voice out there. So anyway, Good. do you have a word? Uh, I don't have a word. I normally do a word. Okay. Um, or and and last year my words uh, some so it changes. Sometimes I do a word. Sometimes I do multiple words. Last mm-hmm. year, my words were faith, action, and love. Love it. Those were those were my words last year. This year, I'm not doing a word. Mm-hmm. This year, I'm doing theme, uh, <laughs> and my theme is actually in these streets. No, my theme is be outside. Sorry, I, yeah. My theme is- be outside. Now I say that because last year was a very um, 
insular year for me. Mm-hmm. And I had, a, it was one of the best years that I've had. I had a movie premiere come out. I had a TV show that I was in, The Book of Queer on Discovery Plus that came out. Congrats. Thank you. The movie um, Divorce Bait, that was rom-com that I was in that came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a great year for me successfully. But for some reason, I was not leading with these things and I really withdrew from social media and I think it's because as an artist and as an educator as well who I teach in the classroom you know three days a week and as Mm -hmm. an activist I think that what happened last year was I didn't have a moment really to myself you know I was always in front of people the action the action was dominating yeah exactly and and so I kind of like stepped back and didn't really, you know, applaud myself like I should. And so this year, my theme is be outside. And I know that's like, you know, uh, a cultural phrase that, you know, people say a lot. And I view it as, um, no, don't hide yourself this year, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not about like going to all the parties and different things like that. Like, I know for some people that's what it's about. And for me, it's just about like enjoy life, enjoy your successes, as well as any challenges that you're going through. And don't hide, be outside, let people see you. Like, so many people were calling or texting, being like, I didn't know you were in this or you did that. And I just, I needed that year to really have the time alone in between these successes. And this year, I just want to really just make sure that I'm standing in the sun and just, yes, you know, not on social media for likes or clicks, because that's what we usually get on there for, right? Or, or to get seen by someone. It's like, no, 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 this is my history. When I look back when I'm 80 years old, whatever social media is at that time, I'm going to be able to call upon my archives. And so it's not about if I get 100, 300, 400 likes. It's about, did I post that moment? So that way when my mind is going see now and I forget I can look back at my social media and say oh I did that oh legacy. I it's my legacy and it's more about my memories and so it is about like continuing everything that I've done continuing the faith continuing the action continuing you know meeting with love continuing setting goals and going after them but most importantly you know you're going to do that, Donzel, because that's who you are. What yes. you now need to do is be outside. Like, celebrate yourself. Yeah. Celebrate your life. Um, I'm also reminded of uh, Quincy Cho had a great post uh, recently about, and she was mm-hmm. quoting her father about um, sweet potatoes and how, like, a Korean sweet potato, even if it's planted in California, it's still a Korean sweet potato. And it yeah. made me think like, I want to be a sweet potato, but but the, it's the idea of bloom where you're planted. And yes. it kind of touches yeah. on, on what you're saying, too, is that like we're still who we are fundamentally, fundamentally, we're still who we are. And 
we can grow we can grow where we are we can grow wherever we are and and in the in the kind of headspace that we're that we're are there's going to be some growth happening and so yeah, yeah i just I, I love what what you're saying and the idea of, of of being outside it's like a call to action too it's just um yeah, exactly. just go for it yeah exactly. love it um i love that you have to have quincy on the show if you haven't already i, I have she... i have oh, Quin quincy's good. amazing yeah. love quincy uh, everyone needs to follow and watch Quincy. Uh, that I just, you know, sometimes you look back at your friends and you're like, wow, I really love them and really see greatness in them and want mm -hmm. greatness for them. Quincy and Ashley are two of the girls that I see that with. And they were both friends mm -hmm. that when I met them, I remember thinking about them saying, uh, I want to be friends with them, not because of how beautiful they were or how talented or fashionable they were, but mm -hmm. like because how brilliant they were and how much of a hard worker they were. Yeah, and their that energy. Is, and they made you and, think. Yes, and they made you think. Um, and that is one thing that I do, you know, value about a lot of individuals, even our conversation and meeting and wanting to come on the show. I, I do feel like I have a... I was taught well by my grandmother about choose who you bring into your life. And out of all the conversations I had that night at that party, yours was the one that was oh. my favorite that I instantly connected. <laughs> because, like you said, we had this great conversation that was not surface level and it had nothing to do with who are you and what can you get me or give me or how can you advance me or like, you know how those parties are. Like, oh, oh yeah. you're a producer. Oh, you know, I mean, like, you know how that goes. Like, we had a genuine conversation about our blackness, about the stuff we're watching, about how we, like you said, like, we will watch these different white shows. And you're like, well, what are you watching? I'm like, I'm watching Nightfall. And you're like, really? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah, girl, I love, you know, watching about, you know, old white people in history. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but those are the moments that we're getting to know another human human at their core, right? We're not mm -hmm. getting to know human based off of uh, materialistic things. And that's the connection that we build. And those are the connections that shape our lives. And uh, I, I, I do believe that that's something I encourage everyone to do is like always think about who you're bringing into your life and why. Yeah. I believe in you and I believe in this yummy cocoa show. Thank uh, you. So Yes. Good Can I job. ask you one last question? Of course. What's making you happy these days? Oh, that means that my therapist might hear this, you know, because when <laughs> I go to like, I'm not happy. Uh, you know, what's making me happy these days? Um, understanding and truly embracing that life every every the things that are guaranteed in life mm -hmm. are pain change mm -hmm. and growth yes i think for me when i did not understand those three things when i went through those three things <clears throat> i became very 
unhappy or depressed or hard on myself, right? Mm-hmm. And then I started to realize through therapy that this is the human experience. Mm. And in those moments, the pain is there because of love. The change is there because you grew to a level and you achieved what you needed to achieve. Mm-hmm. And now you got to move on. The growth is there because... I'm choosing to grow and saying that I want more. Mm -hmm. And I used to look at those things as like very bad things. Now I'm understanding that, hey, I'm living life. And that's what happy. I'm living life. And what used to make me happy before then were all those things that were temporary. Shopping, buying, you know, Telfar bags and other bags and buying designer, mm-hmm. you know, or going out on a trip and like or going to a fancy restaurant. And I will still do those things because like they're here on this planet and I want to enjoy this planet. And those things bring me momentary happiness. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And exactly. Why- yes. Exactly. There's so much to do on this planet. Like, if you love to travel, go and fucking travel. If you love to buy designer clothes, go and buy those designer clothes. Like, this is your life. Mm-hmm. I am going to still do those things. But I'm now understanding that those are not the things that will bring lasting happiness. They just bring momentary, like, blips of, like, joy. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> what I have, what now I'm starting to understand is, like, I'm living life. I'm enjoying life. I'm accomplishing things. I'm not accomplishing things. I'm working harder. I'm growing. I'm becoming better. And that is embracing that and looking at that as as successfully doing life. That's what's making me happy. Oh, it's beautiful. You know? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, This is, this is so inspirational um, as we no, kick off this new you. year, happy new year, Donzel Lewis. Where can people find you? Um, well, they can find me on Instagram at just J U S T underscore Donzel D O N Z E L L. Um, and that's on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. Uh, other than that, you can slide into my DMs if you're really cute and hot and take me on. Uh, or if you're just like really smart and brilliant and you want to collaborate you can slide into my dms too (laughs) yes um and book of queer is on discovery plus um probably on hbo max as well because of that um that crossover um and and then uh the divorce uh divorce bait that is on all of the streaming platforms amazon um uh, Google or YouTube or I don't, I don't know. I need to check. You'd caught me there. I and should it's know. It's very saucy. So I, I definitely recommend. <laughs> yes. It's fun. <laughs> very cool. Um, so we'll okay. see you next week. I'm Yummy Coco. Keep your lamplight trimmed and burning. Bye. Bye.